You're now tuned in to the Desire to Trade podcast, a show where we bring you the best figures of the trading world and teach you how you can become a successful trader. This is your host, Etienne Kret. Man, it is so cold in Canada. Crazy stuff, guys. Anyway. It's Encat here. Welcome to episode 84 of the Desire to Trade podcast. As you guys probably understood, I came back to Canada pretty recently. This is actually the first interview I record back home in Canada. And I'm going to be here not for so long because I do have to go back to China for a conference. As a matter of fact, I'll be speaking at the China Forex Expo in about six weeks in, uh, in May, early May. And I'll keep you guys updated, of course, as I do this. But for now, I'm here. I'm trying to fix a few things with uh, Toastmaster, which I'm part of, and a couple of other things. One thing I'm really happy about being back here is that I'll be able to do live event pretty soon. And I'll let you guys know, of course, whenever that's going to be coming out. Today for the interview, I have a guest who is not focused on trading, but focused on building multiple streams of income. It's good to want to know how to trade and to be able to trade. But if you're replacing your job by a job of trading, it's not even worth it. It's the exact same thing. So the focus of the interview today is really about how to build multiple streams of income, how to have many ways to earn money. And that's really the big key. The more you jump into this, the more you learn that trading is not only about having one thing to trade, it's about having many ways to earn money. And that makes it much easier for you to be able to earn money from trading. So my guest today is Simon Kidd. And Sime has been really, really helpful to help me and help you guys understand how how you could build businesses with your trading. CM is trading only five minutes a day, which is pretty crazy. It's really, really awesome. And it's, and it's pretty much what I do these days, especially when I travel. So CM has been sharing all his advice on how you can do this as well. And it's not that hard. It's pretty simple. We've talked a lot about how he went from not knowing a lot about trading to being able to make money, just a little bit of money, and then making a lot of money, which is really interesting, the change you had to make. So please help me welcome Siam Kid. So Siam Kid, welcome on the Desire Trade Podcast. How's it going today? Hi, how's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. And the first question we always ask the guests at the beginning of the podcast is, what is one quote that inspires you? Uh, I've had it for years. I don't know who said it. Uh, it's probably in a self-development book, but it's, you need to be prepared to live like most won't, so in the future you can live like most can't. I love that, and, I love that. Yeah, love that. it stuck with me for a while because I used to eat shit, so to speak, for a good few years before things got good. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 nice, nice. So tell us what's going on these days in your life. It's quite busy, actually. So I, I'm getting into, well, I'm full swing into mergers and acquisitions. So it's sort of a, another string in my bow. So I, I bought 10 businesses last year. And yeah, I'm growing through acquisition, basically. What, what kind of businesses just for, for fun? I learn everything through trial and error. I'm a bit of an idiot, which just likes doing stuff. And, and I learn through my errors. So a few years ago, I started on a bit of a spending spree on just anything. I was an industry ag agnostic. I'd buy any business as long as the numbers were good because I've got some criteria of what I look for in a business. And as a result, I bought everything. I've got a factory with about 25, 30 staff. I've got education company, a training company, uh, a floatarium, like a float center, <laughs> like a few different online subscription-based businesses, a marketing company, a business service. There's all sorts of different things. But I've been going through a bit of business indigestion, so to speak. Because there's no congruency between the, the companies within the group, it wasn't that efficient. So what I've done now is I'm focusing on a particular niche. And that way, due to the congruences, there is better efficiency, so to speak. So just looking for education and training companies now. Interesting. So, and training-wise, what are you doing these days? Um, what I've always done, really, I'm always saying that boring trading is good trading. and the way I trade only takes me about two minutes a day, max five minutes. And it's a, a mix of swing trading and trend trading. So, I mean, back in the day, like most people do, you, you spend hours, you know, just on, 
staring at the charts, doodling all sorts of different lines across them and whatnot. But I've got a lot of my stuff, not automated in terms of mechanics, but automated in terms of I've got my radars, so to speak. So every morning I open my, my screens. I've got three screens here, nothing ostentatious. I literally just scan my eyes across the radar. And within seconds, I'll know if there are any setups. And if I then have a setup, I'll place it. Um, and that takes a, an extra few minutes. I then journal it, etc. And then I text out my setup along with a video. So as I'm doing it, I always uh, make a quick two-minute video just to put my thought processes in it. And then I text that video out to whoever follows me, really. I'm a big fan of transparency, especially in this industry where it's full of sharks. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting yeah. concept because I know a lot of people listening to this podcast have a day job and yeah. probably they're really short on time. Like they don't have time to probably day trade like five or six hours a day, right? And that's yeah. pretty much the way I've been trying to make myself trade also like over the years. If I want to travel or do something other than trading, right? It's much better, I think, to do something faster in trading also. Yeah, so, exactly. Otherwise, you just buy yourself a job. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's like <laughs> what you want, of course. <laughs> It's quite funny because, I mean, day trading is a funny one because over the years, I've been trading for about 12 years now, and I've, I must have met thousands of day traders, and I, I probably only know two successful day traders. And um, I mean, I've met loads of people say that they are successful, but I'm, I'm quite skeptical. I have a thing called the four whys. So with everything in life, I, I always ask why at least four times. And when you when you start questioning your motives for trading. So, you know, why do you trade? Um, and the general answers are, oh, because I want more money. Uh, why do you want more money? So I can live like I want to. I can, you know, do what I want. Why do you want to do that? So I, my family has the best future possible. Why do you want that? Blah, blah, blah. And yeah. after, you just need to ask yourself why until there is no answer. And basically, the reason you trade or you should trade is for financial freedom, basically. And Financial freedom isn't just money, but it's also time freedom. And time is so much more important. And why day trade? Why? Because <laughs> like you're swapping a job for staring at charts for five plus hours a day. That's not good quality of life. Yeah. Whereas you can get the same results, if not better, from, I don't know, two minutes a day. So that's why I say boring trading is good trading. All right. Well, I'll have a bunch of questions for you on that topic. But I just <laughs> want to know how did you start to trade exactly? Like, how did you come into trading in the first place? Do you want the short answer or the long answer? Yeah, let's go with the story one. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm inherently lazy. And I was thinking, well, I think I was 18 years old. And I was thinking, how can I make money in my underwear, in bed, on my laptop? <laughs> and I did a bit of, it wasn't even Google back then. It was Alta Vista. That's, um, right. Yeah. So I did a bit of sort of searching. And I came up with two options, which is online trading and online gambling. And I thought, well, trading seems a bit scary. So let's, let's try gambling. And I got into online roulette. And being the idiot that I was, I, um, <laughs> I, I thought I cracked it. I thought I had a system. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I managed to turn about, I don't know, a few hundred pounds into about three grand within probably half an hour. And I now know the system I had is called the Martingale system, which is literally the worst money management thing ever because what you do is you double up every time you lose mm -hmm. <laughs> and i thought well, what are the odds of you know getting black 10 times in a row or 20 times in a row and i was unaware of the monte carlo fallacy and what, what that basically means is you know if let's say you have black on the roulette wheel comes up 15 times in a row or loads of people would then think well oh, well it's been black 15 times in a row it has to go red now but it is a fallacy. When you look at the maths, the, each role is 50-50. So there's a fallacy that way. And also, the Martingale system works in an infinite environment. So if you have an infinite money and there's no ceiling, yeah, you'll always win. But most of the time, there is always a cap. And I think this online gambling broker I had, you know, you can only bet a maximum of like three grand per spin or, or something like that. So yeah, long story short, I made loads of oh, three grand straight away, went uh, I was in the Air Force at that time. And I, I went to all my mates, went, oh, no, I, I cracked it. Come, come and see. So after dinner, they all piled into my room. And the three grand turned to four and a half grand. And then I lost everything. 
and it was just <laughs> in front of there's about eight people in the room and like I was like crushing my mouse it was so embarrassing and then when they all left I then maxed out my credit card so I lost basically all my profit my seed and then a further four four five grand on my credit card and for an 18 year old that was a lot of money yeah yeah, yeah. so was that trading a safe way to go then or how did that go so, sorry was trading the kind of safe way to go or was it uh, <laughs> no it was harder so i mean i gave i was like right in fact it was really it was really low point actually because that night it was like four in the morning i, I remember actually calling gamblers anonymous or some gambling helpline i found online and i was just like in tears down the phone to this random stranger but um <laughs> but yeah so i from since, since then i've never gambled so it was a good lesson, I suppose. But then I thought, right, gambling is just a mugs game. Let's get into trading. How hard can that be? And so I was a, an Air Force pilot. And I thought I was too cocky for my own good, I think, because I thought, right, if I can fly a military aircraft, trading is going to be a piece of piss. I mean, it, everything's going to be easy from now on. And oh, my God, I lost 50 grand in my first year of trading. It was horrible. <laughs> and then like the first four years, I was the biggest Muppet you could ever meet. I was burning like two grand a month, every month. All my friends thought I had a gambling problem, which I pretty much did, except it was a trading problem. And because the Air Force, like as an officer, you live in the officer's mess. So everything's catered for you. You know, you have food, every, accommodation, everything. So I managed to live on 10% of my income. And the, the remaining 90%, I was just spunking on the market. It was just, yeah, literally, I thought, right, two grand, this. And I, every month I was trying to turn two grand into like 20 grand. <laughs> so that's why I lost for four years straight. And then year 40, year six, I got a little bit of consistency, but I was still trying to swing for the fences and turn, you know, a tiny account into a six figure account. And I now know lots of people have done that as in try and follow that path. And oh, yeah. like for every success story you hear, there's probably like 10 million people that have failed. So, right. And what I want to know is what was the change for you to go from not profitable to making a little bit of money and then from a little bit of money to making a lot of money in, in trading? Was that like, I, is, is it like a clear change or something hard to explain? It was, no, it was, it was a clear thing, change in my habits, but the results came a lot slower than I thought. So between year four and year six, I call them the doldrum years because like you could have asked me any trading question or any indicator, anything, you know, four years in, and I would have given you a good answer. Like I knew a lot and it was frustrating because I had all of this knowledge about trading. I knew like everything I, well, I thought I did. And yet my bank balance was still negative or flat if I was lucky. And it was just so frustrating. And then I came across another quote, God knows where it is, it is from, but it's basically if you treat something like a hobby, you'll get hobby like results. But if you treat something like a business, you'll get business-like results. And huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? And like, if you look at most people on the markets, I'm pretty sure that at least 90% of the people on the markets are dabblers. And we now live in a world where there is zero space for amateurs. Literally, if you want to succeed in anything, you have to be professional in it. You, if you want to, you know, go in the Olympics, you can't go there half-heartedly. You can't, you know, you can't be an amateur. Like, so I very quickly realized that if I, to succeed in anything, you need to treat it properly. I treat it like a business. And so I literally bought a notepad, like a, <laughs> I bought a pen and a notepad the next day. And I was like, right, I'm going to treat it like a business. I didn't, I've never ran a business up until that point. And I was like, right. I'm, and I started logging everything. So you log, I was logging trades. I was treating it like, you know, I was an accountant for a business, so to speak. So I didn't know it was a thing, you know, trade journaling but I was like writing all the all the stats the numbers the reason why I got into the charts and then later on I started taking screenshots of when I entered when I exited and then literally had this a nice journal and straight away I felt I had more discipline in my trading so I was because I created a sort of a well I stumbled across a, a trading plan so to speak that I just made up it made me stick to that whereas before I'd be like shooting from the hips I'd be looking at bloody forums on the internet taking setups from random people on, <laughs> online or paying freaking black box you know where you have this automated robot trading for you and i have no idea how it was placing trades and uh, like I, I've, every scam i've fallen as i said i'm a bit of an idiot but by year six 
I was um, thankfully consistently profitable. I wasn't like like going great guns. I was happy. Like I was making between five to ten percent per year, and I was over the moon just simply because I wasn't losing any money anymore. And so that really, if you had to boil it down to one thing, it was literally logging your trades and then analyzing your stats because there's zero chance of you ever improving your trading if you don't know your stats. Because there I was year after year, just trading and trading. Oh, why am I losing? Oh, I don't know. Doing more of the same thing, shooting from the hips. Like the only way you improve, I mean, another good quote is whatever is measured improves. So I got in the habit of every Christmas just printing out everything and then spending two weeks just analyzing the crap out of me, I guess. And yeah, only through your logging can you establish your stats and like th- basic things like your hit rate, your average number of trades per month, your R multiples, expectancy, your, all, all, all of these different, you know, your drawdowns, all, all those sorts of basic stats. And then simply, I was like, right, here's the list of trades where I've lost. <laughs> and it was a big list. It was always bigger than my winners. And I was like, right, what am I doing on these trades? Right, or this year, I'm just not going to do that. And then through basically, yeah, just not doing the bad things, I've got profitable. So I'm no superstar. I'll be, yeah, I'm straight up about that. Yeah, I'm no whiz kid. I'm not clever. I'm just an average bloke with distinct average qualities, I guess, who's just learned through trial and error. Yeah, I love that a lot because it's pretty much the way I've been doing it also, like tracking everything. <laughs> and like the first time I heard about journaling and tracking, I was like amazed. Like it's a whole different thing I didn't hear about. So it's pretty crazy the first time you hear about that. So, but yeah, it's uh, really like knowing what is good versus what is bad in your trading, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, I got really anal with with my logging. So I got it to the point where, so every trade I placed, I'd then take an entry screenshot of it. And then obviously, when the trade closed, I'd take an exit screenshot, I'd then print out those. So I put those two screenshots on landscape on a four piece of paper, and then print out. So for each trade, I'd have basically two pages. And I'd be doodling over them and put the stats and et cetera. And then at the end of every month, I'd have like a, a sheet of paper, which had all the stats of everything, you know, your accuracy rates or everything. And then like, it was great because at the end of the year, I had basically 12 sections. I won every month and then it just made your stat analysis way, way easier. And I highly encourage you to do that. And I've really made, <laughs> it's really annoying. So there's this company which won't let me buy it, which, (laughs) so I've made friends with these two really cool guys and they've created literally the world's best trading journaling software. And it's freaking epic. Like it does everything. So you, you, when you place a trade, the software picks it up. And then even if you're away and your trade closes, it picks it up and then you can, it just gives you all of the stats. And then you can literally look at an interactive chart. So you can simply write what happened to that trade and it will show you, you know, when you entered and then you just press the arrow key on your keyboard and then it will just simulate next day, next day. It will show you when you move your stop. And yeah, unfortunately, they won't let me buy the company because that would be huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Trade Replay. Um, they're pretty new as a company. I don't know okay. if they've got a website out, but... We'll uh, try to find a link and put it in the show notes, Trade Replay. Cool. cool. And so from that point of view, making a lot of money from trading... What was the change or like, what did you need to do to become more successful even like being able to, what is going to be have more return or put more money in it? What change did you make at that point? Yeah. So that's a really good question. So the way I trade is, it's quite jagged. So I don't have big drawdowns. So by the way, um, I've got three with your trading, you should only have three outcomes, small wins, small losses and monumental wins. The moment you let that fourth bastard of big losses enter your account, then you're screwed. Because like you have to look at things in terms of time ROI. I mean, everyone's obsessed with oh, how much, how many pips did you make, or how much money did you make? But it's all about time. And the thing is, like, if you half your account, so you have a huge fifty percent drawdown in terms of time ROI, you've put yourself back three, maybe four years, which is huge. Whereas if you have a really bad drawdown of say 10%. And by the way, a 10% drawdown in my book is huge. You've put yourself back four months. So it's a lot better than, you know, four years. So the one of the things I do is I trade very small position sizes. So 
I can't remember the last time I traded at 1% max risk per trade. So I tend to go in at 0.25% max risk, or if I'm feeling ballsy, half a percent max risk. And it's all about your R multiple. So what I tend to do, like on a typical year, I will have flat month, flat month, huge monumental win. Flat month, flat month, flat month, flat month, or even tiny losing month, tiny losing month, and then huge win. So over the year, I have maybe two, maybe three massive wins. And as a result, I mean, on top of my head, so last year, actually, I was 5% down in 2016. 2015, I was 60.33% up. The year before that, I was about 60% up. And the year before that was great. I was up 300 odd percent, which for me is like, I mean, if you gauge that against like a, an average investor, that's what 300 years worth of profit. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. And so going back to your question, so what I, what I tend to do, so I trade really conservatively uh, for the first three quarters of, of, of the year. So normally by September, October time, I'm normally anywhere between 10 to 20% up or maybe 30, who, who knows. And then what I do is I go, right, we have three, you know, a quarter left, three months left to the end of the year. And I then start to play with some of the profits. So for example, the 2015, so I, end, uh, I was running a fund in 2015. It was a small fund. It was a 1.4 million pound account up to two and a half million. So it was a tiny account. By September, no, no by, by August, I was 80% up. So it was an absolutely amazing year. And I was like, right, okay, I'm going to play with some of these profits now. And I, I said to myself, right, I'm happy ending the year 60% up because that's just an awesome year. So with the 20% that I was playing with, I effectively went large. <laughs> so the position star sizes were, you know, much bigger, et cetera. So, so what are we talking about when we say large here? Because you're risking 0.25 per trade, right? So is that like 1% or more than that? No. Well, the way I do it, yeah, so I was probably going in around sort of one, maybe 2% max risk per trade, okay. but I'd be scaling in heavily into a position. So, for example, Black Monday in 2015, I managed to make 420 grand in half an hour, which was quite good because I was sat in my office in my underwear all day, <laughs> just screaming down the corridor to my, my, my wife going, we're 100 grand up, 300 grand up. Yeah, but, um, and so like, I was scaling into those trades aggressively. So I remember on pound Kiwi, it spiked up over the space of 10 minutes. I think it shot up like 1,800 pips in like five minutes, <laughs> which is nuts. And in that five minutes, I probably managed to get off about 20, 25 trades in that. Yeah, so I was scaling in like every 10, 15 pips. So I, I sort of went into day trading mode on, on that day just because everything was just going nuts. So that's that. And so in 2015, it didn't work. So I actually lost that 20% and yeah, ended up 60% up. But the 300%, I think it was 310% year. Again, I was up, I think by September, I was up like 40%. And I thought, right, let's play with 20% and then managed to turn it into triple figures. So it was more, more luck than anything, you know, just it doesn't happen all the time. So, but if we have a boring year, I'd expect maybe 10% ROI. So yeah, so it's kind of yeah, kind of playing with luck, but putting on boundaries, so you you're not losing everything, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and also, like, if we have a year where absolutely jack shit happens and like nothing, no big moves, nothing, I'll average you know ten percent ROI, which I'm pleased with or I'm happy with because of the way I trade. Whenever there are big moves, I tend to catch them, and I've just been really fortunate that over the last three four years we've been living in such an uncertain economic world and we've had loads of huge moves like the flash crash we had the 2015 black monday the the swiss franc unpegging from the euro the euro just dying we've had the trump bump literally like it's like every year like we're getting like a huge move like twice a year at the moment and so i'm just filling my boots right i want to go back a little bit in those times where you like those events where you were day trading isn't that kind of uh, going away from your trading plan or is it part of it? It was away. Well, so let's use Black Monday again. So I don't like using day trading. It's just that I have these, um, I call them fishing nets. It's, it's nothing fancy, but I had an idea of that something was about to happen with Black Monday. And I remember texting my, my investors on the Friday night. I was like, the market's looking really fishy at the moment. It's going to be interesting on the Sunday night open. And then on the Sunday night, when it opened, 
I text everyone again. It was like 11 p.m. And I was like, tomorrow's going to be pretty special. I don't know what's going to happen, but something is going to happen. And I cancelled all my meetings for the next day. And then lo and behold, we have Black Monday. I didn't think it would be that big. Now, what I was doing is I set up a whole bunch of entry orders to catch the market moving south. So mainly on the indices, so like on the, on the Dow, etc. And what I did is I set up an entry sell order at, I think it was either 25 pip or, or 50 pip intervals because I was ex- uh, the market was coiling and I was expecting some sort of explosive move. So I thought it would punch through a whole a bunch of levels. And so I had literally, you know, five or 10 entry orders waiting. And then as the market exploded, it was probably around two in the afternoon UK time, we had these huge thousand pip spikes. I, I mean, were you trading on that year on Black Monday? I don't think so. No, I'm really day trading, so no, probably not. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just absolutely nuts. I mean, you, you look at the five minute chart and it's just stupid. I mean, I, I, I never go that far. But um, yeah, and so because it was spiking that much, like all of my entry orders were co- you know, coming in my, and I was moving my stops, etc. So yeah, I mean, that was just a one off. But normally I'm on the daily charts. It's really boring. And my right. trades last probably anywhere between a week to three weeks. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's pretty much the same way I trade. The only problem I have with this kind of trading, though, and you probably see it too, I think for beginners, it's hard to kind of the, the feedback loop is longer, right? It takes more time for you yeah. to know whether you trade are good or bad. So yeah. how do you deal with this? Because I, I feel like it takes a long time for people to learn how to do this right. Yeah, it's a, see, the thing is with your stats, you need a, a good data set, so to mm-hmm. speak. And unfortunately, if you do trade on the daily charts, if you trade sensibly, you're not going to be placing that many trades over the year. Exactly. So I probably trade place maybe, oh, in fact, my stats, uh, in fact, I've got my stats here, actually. What is it? So with the Lambo, uh, so as in my, so I'm placing four, four a month. So I'm placing basically one trade a week. So in terms of maths and stats, like a data selection of 50 trades is insignificant, really. So it's hard, but thankfully I've had 12 years of looking at my stats. So that helps. So with someone else, so if if someone's just starting up, what I would highly recommend now, uh, just to accelerate your learning curve, is to find a mentor, someone who who trades and has a a tried and tested strategy, so to speak. And that way you, you, you can effectively like wipe out the first four years of crap I had to go through. Um, because I've only found my method through trial and error. Whereas if you've got someone who's already, who's got something that works, you can then, you know, lean back on their stats and then tweak it to make it your own. Because it's all very well good, you know, learning from someone and taking their system, so to speak. But everyone is different and you have to tweak things to how your your, your, your life is. And going back to your question, like how do you cope and whatnot? Well, yeah, it's really boring. If you trade properly, it's boring as hell, which is great. Because most of the time, if you just sit on your hands, you do the right thing. Because if you, like another tip is like, get rid of the P&L on your trading software. All right. Yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) Yeah, don't look at the pounds. Because like, if you have, let's say you're in a move and it goes in your favor and I don't know, it spikes 100 pips in your favor and whatnot, you're going to be looking at the the P&L and and you're going to be like, oh, I'm, you know, 10 pounds up or a thousand pounds up or, you know, however big your account is. And every bone in your body is going to be like, snatch you know, literally take profit, you know, whereas, I mean, because I'm a trend trader, I, I don't snatch. With one of my systems, I, I don't snatch. I let it run until the market reverses, basically. And yeah, most of the time, if you sit on your hands and do nothing, you, you'll be fine. Yeah. And even for myself, I don't look like I have no clue how I'm doing until the end of the month where I, when I look at my, my stats. Other than that, like, I have no clue whether I'm good or bad or like if I do well or not in percentages, I, I don't care. I just look at the end of the month and that's yeah. pretty much all I look at. And also be very aware of your R multiples as well. So I'm sure most people listening to this are familiar with your triple RI, your risk to reward ratio. Yeah. So like if you have a, um, like a strategy which is you know, a, a triple R of one, so an R multiple of one. So let's say you're risking you know, 1% and if you win, you'll make 1%. If you lose, you'll lose 1%. Well, if you have an R multiple of one, 
you need to ensure that your hit rate, i.e. your accuracy, is above 50%. Mm-hmm. Realistically, you need, it needs to be about 52% because of costs and slippage and you know commissions with your broker. So that would be a positively skewed system. I get so frustrated like with people going, oh yeah, I've got this really good day trading system on the one minute chart. It's 90% accurate. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, how big is your stop loss? Well, like anyone could pluck out of their ass, you know, a system which is 99% accurate. All you do is you have a, like a five pip limit and a thousand pip stop loss. <laughs> right. But the thing is, like when you have that loser, you're going to wipe out all of your profits. So, yeah, just be try and at least get a, you know, an R multiple of at least three, two to three. Ah, oh, perfect. And since, well, because... I feel in your case, you're living your trade run, right? So how do you, like, do you know in advance what your reward is going to be? Or do you just go and then expect the average is going to be something? So I've got a, an arsenal of a few different strategies because you... Uh, yeah, it you always depends. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you, you can't rely on just one strategy because there's six types of markets. Believe I mean, a lot of people say there are three markets, up, down, and sideways. Well, it's actually six because you have up, down, and sideways, volatile, and up, down, and sideways, steady. And so, like, you need to understand that your system will only work in, you know, a few of those things. So where you have something which may work in a volatile ranging market, where, you know, things are probably, where the market's probably bouncing between some certain levels, you know, 500 pips each way, you may have a nice swing trading type strategy there. But the moment the market starts trending, you're going to get absolutely wiped out. So like, for instance, I, I, had, I got myself into a muddle with Bollinger Bands way back in the day, probably in year one or two, where it was great during a ranging market, as you know, because the market is going up and down. And so Bollinger Bands are all right for that. But the moment it starts trending, you get absolutely slaughtered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or you have no trade at all yeah, for a long time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I have a few different strategies. So with my trend trading strategy, I have no limits. So I set it up with this, I call it the Lambo. When I get a Lambo set up, it has a high, high probability of trending. And I really don't get excited in a trade until I'm at least 500 pips up. So I leave that because I'm all about bagging the thousand pip of trades. Whereas if I'm doing more a support and resistance type trade, I will always put a stop loss in and a limit. So that way with my SNR trades, I will always know my predetermined R multiple. Because if I'm risking, say, 50 pips, and I'm expecting 300 pips if it hits the limit, then I know I know my R multiple straight away. So I know we've talked about journaling, we've talked about a little bit how you trade, but do you have any other habits outside of trading that you think help you succeed in trading? Habits, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, planning, I suppose now that I'm into business as well, it's made me more disciplined. So in fact, I'm going to sidestep that question for a moment because there's something else which, so one of the biggest errors that I did early on is I went full-time trading when I couldn't afford it. So this is why I think initially you should always learn trade to learn instead of to earn. Right. Um, that, yeah, that, that's important. And I think just to say quickly, I think people want to jump too fast sometimes. And that's yeah. the problem. Yeah, definitely. And people are obsessed with, right, I've got a five grand account here. I need to double it or I need to make you know, I need to replace my full-time employment straight away. And they, you know, they put five grand in and they're hoping to make two grand a month from day one. And like, that's not going to happen. And I've seen this happen with so many people. And I did it myself where eventually my trading got good and it lulled me into a false sense of security because when I was in the Air Force and my trading got good, it was great because I was earning well with Air Force. My trading was great. I wasn't relying off any of my trading to pay any bills. It was just, you know, I was growing my account. And then when I took the plunge to quit the Air Force (laughs) uh, to go trading full time, I had to pay my rent, my bills, everything through my trading account. And so I had to make like a grand to 1500 quid a month just to pay my bills. Over what kind of account that you have at that (laughs) time? It it wasn't that big. It It was like a 50 grand account. Okay. It was quite small. And yeah, but, it, but yeah, but it's not that bad as I think most people try to make work, I think. Yeah, but I mean, that was just to break even, just to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. And so I was forcing myself to try and make like three grand a month. And I've got my calculator. My maths is shit these days. So three grand a month on a 50K account, that's 6%. So I'm, I was trying to make 
per month. It's like every which month. Is yeah. Every month, which was hard. And like, I remember the real crux was when, I mean, it went well for about three or four months. And then there was one month. I don't know what happened. I think I was in a fit of rage or something. And I just ignored nearly all of my rules. And I did a bit of revenge trading. And yeah, I lost a big amount. And that month, not only did I not have the money to pay the bills, I lost a lot. And then I had to get a loan out. And then that is when I started my... um, Yeah, so about six years ago now, there was a six-month period where Ellie, my wife, and I were living off like 17 pence spaghetti hoops from Asda, and it was tough. (laughs) It was horrible. And so in hindsight, the thing I've learned is that if you're going to trade to pay for your lifestyle, you've got to be super, super careful because all of a sudden you've got that added pressure. You've got a monetary target you need to hit every month. And what happens is your trading goes to shit. It really does. And I've always found that like, if I'm trading just to grow the account and I'm not taking money out of it and I, I don't need to pay bills, that's when my trading has always been really good. And so does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it totally makes sense. I think it's a big <clears throat> point. And we, we said it many times that like people have to develop multiple streams of, of income, whether it's going to be with a job or with like whatever else you want to try to make money from, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, One of the things I say to nearly everyone that I meet who is embarking on this journey is that we all obsess with, you know, becoming a trader, but, you know, we want to be Gordon Gecko or, you know, one of, you know, Jack Schwager's, you know, interviewees, so to speak. And you may say to your friends or dinner party, oh, yeah, I'm a trader, etc. But the thing is, you must not become obsessed with being a trader. At the end of the day, you need to consider yourself as an investor. And trading is simply an arrow in your quiver. It's just one of the things you do. And so we should all strive to build our financial Parthenon. And I call it the Parthenon because, I mean, the Parthenon in Athens in Greece has been there for like 2,500 years now. And it's still standing. And the reason it's still standing is because it has loads of freaking pillars around it. (laughs) And unfortunately, like we all have a financial Parthenon. And unfortunately, most people have one pillar, i.e. a job. Yeah. And but if you lose your job, you're screwed. So then people go, they then have a job and then trading. So they've got two pillars. And then they get rid of their job pillar, like I did. And then they, they're back to one pillar. <laughs> and then when you have a bad month, you're screwed again. So you are an investor. And that's why I think the biggest boost for me with my trading had nothing to do with trading, which was really weird. It was when I got into business. And like, as an investor, I spent ages scouring the globe, for, you know, the best ROI, the best, you know, ROI for time and also for money. And I, I very quickly came across business and business is the best asset class bar none. You can generate huge amounts of wealth and cash flow in the shortest period of time, even starting with zero cash. Whereas with trading, you need capital to make capital. And I realized that, shit, okay, trading is just a pillar and businesses is another pillar and then you need all sorts of other things. And so what I did is I I started building businesses and then simply siphoning off the excess profits that my businesses were making into my trading account. And because my businesses were providing my lifestyle, there was no pressure with my trading. And so every month I was growing my account you know, by about five grand a month or five or 10 grand a month through my businesses. And then the tr- my trading was, you know, growing it by, you know, another 10, 20% per year or, or more recently, a lot more. And that itself. So I think going back to a previous question you said probably about half an hour ago, you know, the thing that really propelled me was business it had nothing to do with trading. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Pretty powerful. I think that's a big key. I think you're, you're the first guest who's coming on the show talking about other businesses, right? But it's really, really good to hear. It's really important, I think, for people to hear that. Oh, I've cool. seen from the start where you talked about your different businesses that you invest. Yeah. Like most people don't talk about this. They just talk about trading. They only have trading in their life. So it's a yeah. big difference. I, think. I know. But the thing is, like, with trading, you can never really automate it. I mean, oh, yes, you can get like a, a script of some sort. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've never had a successful script. I've probably commissioned probably... 10, 20 different bots, and it's never as good as my manual trading. And yes, you can get a really good bot, but the thing is, we don't have enough money compared to like high-frequency trading firms that dump tens or hundreds of millions into it. And so, whereas with business, 
I much prefer buying a business where it has, you know, good margins, it's got a management system in place, and I, I simply just parachute a managing director in to run it. And then literally all the dividends just flow upstream. And like every Friday, my managers email me the Friday figures, so to speak. And then if their business is doing well, I leave them alone. And if their numbers are below the, the line, so to speak, I simply pick up the phone and go, what's going on? So I simply, yeah, you just live off the dividends. And yeah. I love the idea. And just so people know, because now you're buying businesses, but how did you start with that? Did you build a business yourself? And what kind of business? Yeah, so I've had a few, there's a million ways to skin a cat. And like with trading, like, by the way, a lot of people diss other forms of trading or other trading indicators. Like, I mean, today I've been bashing day trading, but I'm not saying it doesn't work. Of course it works. There are traders all over the globe who are absolutely nailing it with day trading. And there are people who are nailing it with Bollinger Bands or RSI or Stochastics or any of these different things. So everything works. And it's just, there's just a million different ways to do it. And with business, I found my own little sort of niche. And for me, it's about having part-time online-based, subscription-based businesses. So high margin, uh, low price point, high volume amount. So a, a prime example would be things like Amazon, Netflix, all of these subscription companies where you're paying seven quid a month and you get crap loads of user bases, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm focusing on. So getting into M&A, I, I learned lessons from trading. I was like, right, I want to get into buying businesses because if you look at any billionaire, pretty much, their wealth has not come from setting up, running and growing the business or their, their wealth comes from selling the business. Like Elon Musk, like he only realized his wealth once he sold his businesses. And I realized, oh, holy shit, <laughs> I need to be a buyer and seller of businesses instead of being a buyer and seller of widgets or products or services. And so I was like, right, I need to find a mentor who knows their shit. And uh, I found a guy called Jeremy Harbour. He's just a legend, basically. <laughs> he eats, breathes and sleeps M&As. He's bought and sold loads. And he's like one of the world's leading experts on small to medium sized businesses, as in buying and selling them. And so I did his course. Uh, I think it was like six or seven grand. And it was awesome. I did it, what, I don't know, three years ago. And um, it was worth every penny. In fact, if I had to pay 100 grand for that course, it was still worth it. Because as a result of that, I'm now growing my group, so to speak. Nice. Really cool. And how do you recommend people who get started with that? Is it by learning with courses or any other advice? Well, with M&A? Yeah, yeah. Oh, unfortunately, I don't think like with trading, you could come from any walk of life and do like a, a course, like a good trading course with a good mentor and do all right. But the thing is with M&A, I feel that you need a, a rite of passage because if you've never run a business before or never set one up, etc., and then you go and buy a business, let's say, you'll have no idea whether it's a good business, how to run it, blah, blah, blah. So I think the rite of passage is that you need to go through the whole process of setting up, running, growing, and selling a business. That's the full business cycle. And when you've done that at least once or twice, then I'd recommend getting into M&A. Because like in business, there's so much crap you have to deal with. And uh, yeah, once you've done all that, M&A is, uh, is a lot easier. So now I can look at a balance sheet like before a meeting or even during the meeting and then see whether it's a good company, whether it's a dud, or if the director has been fiddling with the numbers. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, I've made a mistake. In fact, because I'm a slow learner, I've, I've made two huge errors in the past where I've bought one, which was a, d- a dud company, and another one where the person effectively messed around with the numbers and I, I didn't see until I was in the business and I realized, shit, I've just spent 40 grand on this business and it's worth minus money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very sick. And what last advice we have for people about trading, how they can get started or maybe grow themselves as trader? Yeah, so so with trading, I to begin with, like, well, first of all, don't go anywhere near binary options. That's not trading. That's just gambling. I would veer away from day trading to begin with because the thing is, like, when you're day trading, you're looking at the smaller time frame charts, like the five minute charts, and you'll no doubt have a smaller stop loss, um, like five, ten, maybe twenty pip stop loss, and so your position sizes are going to be far higher. And as a result of that your emotions are going to be way, way higher. 
And so when you're in a losing position or even a winning position, you're going to be looking at that P&L and going, holy shit, holy shit, whether it's up or down. And like, it's really fast, the, the one minute, five minute and 15 minute charts. And it's like taking a learner, a 16 year old learner driver and putting them in an F1 racing car in the Grand Prix. They're, they're going to floor it. And then at the first corner, they're going to crash. And you've probably seen that yourself with, you know, your followers and whatnot. So I would literally recommend finding something on the daily charts and make it nice and boring because you don't have to think fast. You can think slow and then just get used to it. I mean, learning the software is half the battle. That'll probably take a few weeks. And I know a lot of people knock dummy trading, but I mean, I would dummy trade until you're consistently profitable. Now with dummy trading, there's no emotional element to that. But I mean, at least dummy trade just to learn the software get used to you know placing trades how to move stuff around how to spot your trades and get into your habits and then when, once you're consistently profitable maybe three months later let's say then open up a live account but find a mentor or um, hell worst case scenario just get my my book I, I give it out for free and it's got 23 mistakes that all traders make and it's basically my like this whole industry is a minefield and if you just avoid the minefields you'll break even at least <laughs> yeah, so how, how can people get the book and how can they find you if you go to investingstarterpack.com you basically there's my free book i mean if we only post it to those in the uk but um if you're abroad we just send the, the pdf so yeah but yeah just just read 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 everything so in order to understand stuff you need to understand what day trading is what swing trading is what you know trend trading and all, all these other different types so one you know what's best for you and if there's one book to read by the way i've read a lot of trading books and most of them are shit in my view there's one book called trade your way to financial freedom by dr van tharp It's a really cheesy title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they all have to say that. Like all, all the trading <laughs> books have that. So, yeah, but it's a really good book, and I'm really like Van Tharp knows his stuff when it comes to trading psychology, and it's really pleasing to see that most of the book is around uh, risk management, which is everything. And we we've had Van Tharp on the podcast as well. So if people want to check out the interview, they can uh, probably find it on thisartrade.com. It's going to be interesting also <laughs> to listen to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, Sam, how can people find you if they want to reach out or connect with you? I think the best way is just YouTube me. Just type in Siam Kid, and I put out a video once or twice a week on there. I've got loads of videos on there. So, yeah, just find me on there. I don't want to sell anything or anything. But, um, yeah, YouTube is the way forward, I think. So. And what kind of goal do you have for the future? Oh, for me, well, the thing that drives me is the, is the schooling system. So I've got a 50-year plan to change every school in the world. So I've got a hard deadline because my son is eight months old at the moment and I don't trust any school to send him to because they're all shit. Like I don't have a typical sob story. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I had a, a nice childhood. <laughs> my parents worked hard to send me to a really nice private boarding school. And it was like in my area, it was the, like the most expensive and best school you could find. And I wouldn't even send my child to that school. And that was the best money you could buy. And like, so... I'm first of all going to set up my own super school. So by the age of, so when Koa, my son, when he's four. So basically I, my deadline is his age. So I have to set up the school so he can go to when he's four or five and then all the way up till 18. And like the syllabus is just, is just really like the schooling system is setting up kids to be redundant Oh yeah. because we're, we're living in a, like an exponential world, especially with tech. And like, give it 10 years time, we won't have taxi drivers or bus drivers or waiters and waitresses. McDonald's will be fully automated. Like pretty much every job you can think of will have disappeared in 10, 20 years time. And so, and the schooling system hasn't changed in 200 years and they're still teaching the same shit. Hell, I've never used trigonometry in my life <laughs> or Pythagoras, all this stuff. So like our schools need to teach stuff which will gear them up. Like coding and um, robotics and stuff like that and i think just like the car made horses redundant ai and robotics and 3d printing and all the this tech is going to make humans redundant so we need up any unskilled worker is going to be jobless so you need to upskill yourself in a niche which ai 
will struggle with. So, yes. And what's your motivation for all this? In other words, why do you want to do that? I want to leave a legacy. One, I want my kids to have the best, you know, stepping stone for this world because the next 20 years is going to be absolutely nothing like the last 20 years. And I think like we, we are living in a crony capitalistic world at the moment. We have QE, we have like crazy debt levels, we have bastard bankers. And you know, like, like one of the things that like I said to myself years ago, and I'll say this to all my friends, like for the rest of my life, prices will always be too high. Taxes will always be too high. Politicians and bankers will always be bastards. So you just got to deal with it and, and adapt. Um, and so I just want to make sure that my kids and kids going through any other school, you know, has at least the skill set to deal with stuff because savers and the middle class are being eroded away at the moment. So, right. That's a big one. So I just want to remind the people that all the show notes are going to be on thisartitrade.com. If you want to find the links and find out about you also, it's all going to be on thisartitrade.com. And cool. Simon, we have a question we ask a guest at the end of every podcast. If you could yeah. give only one piece of advice for traders. What would that one sentence of advice be? Oh, trading. Um, diligent nonchalance. Two words. <laughs> so you need to be diligent. I, you need to trade, like, just be obsessed with your trading journal and your stats. And you need to be nonchalant. You must not give a shit about your trades. Whether you're winning, whether you're losing, you need to be completely neutral. So, yeah, nonchalant trading is good trading. And the thing is, if you can't put your head on the pillow when you go to sleep and not think about your trades, you're doing something wrong. Because if you're going to bed thinking, oh, I wonder what that euro dollar trade is doing, you've basically, you, you bet too big. Your, your position sizes are way too big. So you need to reduce your position sizes so they're so small that you don't give a shit. And guess what? I promise you, your trading will explode. I love that. I love that. CMK, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to be here. No worries. Thank you for having me. That was it, guys, for the interview with Sim Kid. If you guys have any questions about this interview or anything you want the clarification on, feel free to reach out to me and Sim. The best way is going to be the Facebook group over at thisartistate.com forward slash group. And it's pretty much the easiest way to contact me and other guests of my podcast. If you guys want to see my video these days as I went back to Canada, I still keep the format of doing a daily kind of video, daily vlog, if you want to call it that way. And I share pretty much all my trade that I take all the things that I look at. And you guys can have a good overview of what I'm doing these days. So simply go on my YouTube channel. You'll find all the links at thisartistrade.com. And I really hope I can make a difference with this. I hope I can inspire you guys to work harder and help you guys learn. That's pretty much the goal here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. And I'll see you guys next week for the next episode of the Desire to Trade podcast. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Desire to Trade podcast. To get all the information on this show, free articles, and unique resources, make sure to check out www.desiretotrade.com and subscribe. Please leave us a review and let us know what you thought about the show. It's time to become the best trader you can be. See you next time.